Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged with Mark Fielding Okay, welcome to Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged. This is episode 10 and uh, as you know, we are dealing with recovery for the second part of episode 10. Um, I'm Mark Fielding, psychotherapist and relationship counsellor and now host of the show in Joe's absence. Uh, although I have to be honest, Joe does a lot of the creative work behind the scenes still. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to I wanted to revisit eating disorders again because I think this is such an important subject. And you know, it does get it does get some coverage in the media, and the coverage is not always particularly measured. So I just it's, it's such an important thing. It's a common, you know, I really wanted to come back to it. Um, I mean, eating disorders can take many forms, you know, including kind of bulimia, binge eating disorder, anorexia, to name a few. Um, and today we have the pleasure of a return guest. JL Keys came on the show to talk about OCD for episode 14 in 2021. Uh, so today we have the absolute pleasure of her returning to the show. So thank you so much for coming back on, JL. It's nice to see you again. It's lovely to be back here again with you, Mark, and Joe in the background this time. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, sharing with you back in 21. So um, here we go again, and I'm looking forward to whatever the discussion, um, whatever direction it takes in a moment. It'll be great. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, yeah, it was a good, I, I revisited the um, the show we did previously, and it was a great show. Um, so, yeah, so thank you again for coming on. Maybe we could start, I could just ask you a little bit around, you know, your, your personal experience of you know, of having an eating disorder and recovering. Uh, it's a massive thing to ask, but, but could you maybe just talk about that a little bit, Jail, if that's okay to kick us off? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a huge story. So let's try and, you know, get it down to some sort of um, understanding for your listeners, for your valuable listeners. Um, my anorexia was kicked off at the age of 15, the experience of have, uh, being anorexic. And um, I did that to myself until I was 24. Not that um, I knew that that's what I was doing. I was at the age of 15, I was a top athlete. I was a vocalist. I was a top musician. Uh, you name it, I did it. And I always was at the top for some reason. But at the same time, alongside of that, I was attending different schools. My father was a uniting church minister. So every three years, we packed our bags and went to a different country um, school and as a result of that, I experienced a lot of bully, bullying. And so by the time I got to 15, I was a very lonely person in the schoolyard with no, no friends. And, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends were beginning to happen. And I was beginning to look in the mirror and question, well, what was wrong with me? Why didn't I have friends? Why weren't boys looking my way? You know, I did all these wonderful, fantastic things, but no one liked me, apparently. So somewhere within the dialogue at the time, I must have made a decision looking in the mirror to, to lose weight. And perhaps the athletic shape, you know, wasn't the ideal one to um, continue having. So I don't really recall doing that. I just know I was learning about nutrition through home economics. And um, so I thought, oh, well, I'll go on this health kick and, and eat really healthy and eat really well. And of course, overnight, my weight just dropped off of me. And um, no one asked the question. And because I shifted schools again and went to the city to live in a boarding school, once again, it got hidden, it got masks. No one there expected me to be the top athlete or anything. So I didn't have to maintain any standards that I had created for myself up until that age. And um, so, yeah, I mean, the downfall just kept going. I then went to teacher's college and I did get a boyfriend. I did end up getting married and somehow miraculously that all happened. But in the background was a person that was hiding a, a story of starving herself, of having regimented eating patterns. Um, I never did the throwing up like, um, you know, people that experience bulimia do. Yeah. I was just restricting my eating, but at least once a week, I would be so starving and so hungry that it would trigger off a reaction of just eating anything I could get my hands on. And I would just stuff myself silly. And then the next... 24 hours to 48 hours, I would feel bloated and horrible and fat and all of those things and swear and declare, I will never, ever do this to myself again. But of course, the body, you know, it, it slows down again, it goes into the hunger round, and then it gets really hungry. And so the cycle continued. Um, 
I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know that I was different to everybody else. I would look at other people doing things and playing sport or whatever it was that I was viewing and thinking, how have they got the energy to do that? I can barely walk. What's different about them that they can do all of these things in life and which I could do once, but I can't do anymore. And because no one was having a conversation and asking me, hey, what's going on? I could just keep living this life until at the age of 24, um, I was experiencing a lot of abdominal pain and um, I was diagnosed with cysts and different things were happening. But fortunately, I guess I ended up in the um, rooms of a doctor and I was taken there by a working colleague of mine, um, another home economics teacher. And that, that obviously colluded, you know, before I arrived there to see him. And they referred me on to a psychiatrist. And I thought, well, why do I need, or I'll just follow this path that everyone else around me seems to be setting up now for me. And I ended up with a psychiatrist who then presented me with paperwork that had the heading anorexia nervosa across the top. And I'd never heard those words before. And, um, but in reading the article that he had shared with me, I certainly identified straight away and could see that, heck, this is what I've been doing to myself for the last nine years. And I was in deep trouble, but I was in deep trouble on two fronts. One, I knew I had to get out of this. And if I kept on going, I was probably not going to live much longer. And the other side, the minute I realised that I had to heal and I had to restore weight, this tremendous fear from within just overwhelmed me. And um, it was in that moment, looking back now with the knowledge I now have, that I wish that psychiatrist knew to ask me, what is the fear? Tell me, what is the fear that you are now feeling? You know, none of those exploratory questions were asked of me. So again, just blindly in the dark with no one, the only method of um, healing, which it wasn't, um, was to restore the weight. So the weekly mm -hmm. weigh-ins began and I'd stand on the scales and I'd get berated if I didn't weigh a certain weight and then they'd review what I did and all of that sort of stuff happened. And look, I can't remember now, it's a long time ago with the age I am now, <laughs> but gradually I did restore the weight. And got back to, well, only 58 kilos. I mean, I'm, I think I'm about 64 now. And But at the time, I stayed at 58 for a very long time. And probably now the weight I am, I'm thinking, gosh, I was probably still too skinny. But I didn't think that at the time. But instead of then recovery, which is the promise that was given to me, that I'd now lose all of the fear that I was carrying and the other illnesses that had now begun to join me, the opposite actually happened. So the eating disorder went away, but it was replaced by chronic fatigue. And it was all, there was an overlap of two or three years as well where I was still doing anorexia nervosa, but then gradually over the top of that, if you like, layering over was chronic fatigue. And then it was debilitating migraines. And then it was depersonalization. If listeners don't know what that word means, it means you don't feel like you're present you don't feel like you're in the room. Um, I would go to school and teach all day and come home and barely remember that I'd done that. And I stop and think, what have I done today? I was just not on the planet anymore. Um, eventually, I then added OCD to my list, which we talked about last time. And then eventually, suicidal depression, which nearly took me at the age of 36, 37 uh, thankfully, it didn't. The right person finally came into my life at 37 who asked the right questions. Mm -hmm. So that's a nutshell of sort of an overview, I guess, of the illnesses that manifested as a result of somewhere making the decision at 15 to drop weight for acceptance. Of course, acceptance never happened. It just wasn't what it was all about. But then off I went down all of these dark roads and pathways until... 37 when, as I said, finally the right person asked the right question. So that's a very small overview. Yeah, and, and so, well, so much to pick up in on in, in what you've just said. I mean, just to just to pick up on some of the things, you know, I mean, just we, we we've talked about bullying quite a lot on the show, and we don't need to go into it really in any depth now. But you know, sometimes, you know, anorexia can be can be started by you know trauma you know when i hear bullying you know whether that's bullying at school bullying in the workplace you know i always hear the word trauma because i think bullying can be 
tra- traumatic feeling alone you know it because it can be a very very isolating illness can't it i think anorexia there's a lot of hiding there's a lot of denial um and just in something else that you said about no one asked you the question i mean i think that is major really and i think that is really common so basically nobody asked you so i guess people must have seen your weight coming down but nobody really asked the right questions in order for you to open up about it no with the right the right questions and i can identify that now as you know because i'm on the other side of it all but my mother did take me to a doctor once when i was in my early oh i can't I can't remember it's such a long time ago early 20s i think it was and that doctor just sort of said well what are you eating and of course i said i eat this and i eat that and he says well that sounds all right but he didn't ask quantity he just asked whatever and um my mother did try you know to I guess, find out whether her daughter wasn't well anymore or whether there was something going on. And because this professional doctor who was a GP sat across from us and sort of didn't come up with any answers or didn't even seem stressed about it all, uh, then, you know, that gave me the excuse to go on, but it gave my mother the idea, well, maybe there is nothing wrong. And we've got to remember that my experience of an eating disorder was back in an era before it was actually identified as easily as it is today. Um, so that's another reason why it could stay hidden for such a long time as well. Um, and I guess I'll bring this in now because you use the word trauma and, um, yeah, I mean, at the time at 24, as I said, you know, that important question of why, why are you doing this? Why, why is an eating disorder your life? You know, what happened at 15? Let's go back and do the chapters of your life and see what happened in the different chapters and and what how did it culminate in this sto- part of your story ending yeah. up here? You know, what elements from your story have contributed to this? And who knows if that had been done, whether the underlying issues would have surfaced at that point in time, we'll never know. But they were the sort of questions asked of me at 37. So I will bring this in now. I mean, I did have trauma. My trauma was childhood, but I didn't know that from the age of 24 to 37. It was just put on weight, you know, this is happening and that's happening, but no one asked me why. So you're Mm. floundering around. And it wasn't until the sexual abuse was then identified that I had experienced that, you know, from the age of, well, from five and under, from a few contenders, unfortunately. And it was that finally coming to the surface that my why was able to be answered and we were able to identify different aspects of my why and then look at why so yeah. many mental illnesses developed and um, in the first place. So, yeah, trauma certainly has a huge amount, huge role to play um, in eating disorders or mental illnesses of any sort, I think. It's there somewhere lurking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then so finding out later that you know you'd experienced trauma from very very early on, really, and and the the, the looking back and the trying to work out why the um, eating disorder came in, that's part of the journey. I mean, from what you're saying, that that was helpful being able to kind of create a bit of a coherent story around why it was there and why some of the other the, the other kind of comorbidities, OCD depersonalization were there as well i mean so the understanding helped really absolutely and that's something that i really focus on now in any articles that i write or clients that i work with is you know and i'm redoing my free program at the moment and it's actually starting with that can i i can see Mm. the importance of if someone's not understanding why an eating disorder has emerged in their life Mm. then recovery could be a non-event You know, I think understanding and then unlocking the story elements will help you with the understanding. Mm. And once you've got that base, you've got a much more solid base Mm. uh, to explore and examine, then the elements can come forward and speak to you. So for me, at the age of 37, when the sexual abuse finally came up and arrived, the most important element that it um, gave an answer to for me was why everyone said to me, well, this will make you well, take this tablet and this will make you well, or do this, you will be recovered. You know, you think, yay, you know, I just want to take this tablet and whoopee, you know, this will all be over. 
But instead of me being excited about the prospect of that, there would be this tremendous fear that would fill me. And I'd sit there and I'd go, for goodness sake, I just want to be well. Why the heck am I afraid of being well? Mm-hmm. And this is, and this lady's name was Joan, Joan Hookstad, who I finally ended up with, and she practiced reality therapy. And it was her style of questioning and her acknowledging that our stories hold our clues and they also hold our solutions in moving forward. And so the first major clue that, and this one, I guess the timing for me, I mean, I'm very spiritual as well. And you look back and you think, well, universe, could you not have brought that out at 24 and saved me all of those years? But for some reason, this is how it's, um, how my journey has gone. So, you know, with Joan asking those important questions, you know, why are you afraid of being well? Because I admitted it finally to somebody. I went, I don't know. And I burst into tears. I said, it's all I want, but I'm afraid of being well as well. And she knew the next question to ask and the next one to finally bring it out in me. Oh, my goodness. There's this story of sexual abuse. I also learned down the track that my story had once been her story. And so she could pick up and identify the dialogue that I was using, the fear that I was exhibiting and all of those things because she'd done it herself once. Mm -hmm. And so that was the most valuable connection that I've ever made in my life. And my my healing journey was connecting with someone who'd lived it before me and could identify the symptoms and everything and knew and then had educated herself to know how to draw that out of me without me knowing that that was her story until right at the end, I went, oh, far out. No wonder you know what you're doing <laughs> sort of thing. So, And, and yeah. I'm really feeling that, you know, looking at that through through a spiritual lens, you know, synchronicity, it's almost as if, you know, which you, were, you were drawn together. I mean, to have somebody, you know, A, that was trained in a way that could really, really help you and provided a kind of therapeutic approach that was obviously really useful, but also somebody that had also been through, you know, the, the really incredibly difficult experiences that you had, so had a personal understanding as well. I mean, goodness me, it must That's have been right. such a relief for you at that point to, to really be able to kind of talk about and understand what's what happened. Although that being said, goodness me, it must have been hard, really hard for you to work through the trauma. And I mean, it's really difficult to go back, isn't it, and revisit some of these things. Yeah, it was. I think you used the word relief there, Mark. And I think the way I felt about that when you said it was the relief was finally finding someone who gave me understanding of me. Why was I living in fear? Why did I have to be perfect? Why did my kids have to be perfect? You know, they were about to go to school and uh, or even preschool. It didn't matter from the day they were conceived, I think, and the day they were born. The poor little things had to in line they had to you know had to control their every move and they couldn't step out of line and they had to be dressed perfectly and it was driving me insane but at the same time I wasn't able to uh, curtail I wasn't able to stop the behavior if I tried to it was much easier to do it and so it was all of those manifestations of um, inappropriate behaviors and debilitating behaviors for me that she was able to give me understanding. And that's what I meant before, you know, with a mental illness, which eating disorders are, um, given understanding why we are doing this is so important to be able to make that connection and understand who we have become and more importantly, why we have become. Yeah, yeah. so much in healing too we say well who are you really well that's not an initial question that you ask because we have no idea who we are because the why we are has lived in us for so long that the who has got you know tranched down the bottom there somewhere so I always like to ask why are you rather than who are you and why are you like you are at the moment and let's start from there and create some understanding and that was the difference that Joan made in my life the, all the others there was no understanding it was just well you you've got OCD well this is we got a tablet for you yeah. you know you've got suicidal depression well have we got a thing for you so we can get rid of that mm. well none of them worked because I needed to understand why I lived in fear yeah. and until that was broken nothing was going to work 
yeah and then and also kind of pulling in what, what you were saying earlier about the psychiatrist so jeffrey if it's okay just to rewind to that you know this is the psychiatrist i think this is fairly as far as i could, as far as i know fairly common with you know with anorexia that often you know health professionals well you know with best of intentions it will be all about refeeding which you know which is incredibly important if somebody was so underweight that you know they're they're, they're near to dying really effectively the refeeding is incredibly important but the mental aspect is also massive isn't it around anorexia and the fear and you know and how that fear comes out in terms of our internal worlds i mean in in eating disorders in in anorexia there's often this internal voice of the ed i don't know whether that is something you experienced jl but there's almost like a a sub personality inside you know urging you know the the person not to eat urging them to you know purge if they're bulimic And, and and i think really looking at everything that has happened in somebody's life and addressing you know the internal kind of struggles is incredibly important as well as refeeding well the two things just go together I mean, I, because I, there is a lot of fear, I think, when people have had ED for a long time and even the thought of putting on weight, you know, the idea of being fat, I mean, it's incredibly triggering, isn't it? I mean, did, in terms of the internal voice, was that something that you, you you experienced? This is something that I've heard develop over, you know, recent years, this mm. internal voice that drives me to not eat or, or whatever mm. it is. And I don't actually identify with that. I appreciate that that's, you know, different people have different experiences and they will explain it in different ways. I didn't feel like there was two of me, which is sometimes how I read it when I see it, that, you mm. know, people are expressing that, like, there's two people here, there's there's the real me and then there's this one over here controlling my eating. Yeah. And I can see how that would manifest as an experience. For me, I just felt yeah driven I was just this one person living this incredibly difficult life that no one was knowing about and I wasn't speaking about or sharing it with anybody but I felt like it was always just me you know just me telling myself what I had to do and how to do it and what not to do and everything so there was this me in the middle and the just surrounded in an envelope of absolute utter fear and it was that fear entity that was controlling and driving everything more. Mm. So I don't separate it as a different voice. I just Mm. see it as me being absolutely enveloped by fear emotion. And that's what kept me held in that space for so long until I began to look at the, the fears that I carried and began to really assess and eliminate and then the behaviours went. So just coming back to what you were saying before about, you know, working the two together, so important. And, yes, you need to refeed, but if you're not, and that's what didn't happen for me. I refed and somehow I put the weight on, but what didn't happen and what didn't go hand in hand initially from 24 to 37 was the psychological part of it, you know, the thinking part of it. No one ever made that impression on me that it was even important but yes um it's that psychological part that drives everything else it's something in our story that's created the way we think and feel and behave that needs to be um assessed and rearranged in our thinking and at the same time doing the refeed very important to do the two together yeah 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 i mean you really have and it's so important to say you know because yeah refeeding is obviously you know a massive part of it but you know but i think the psychological aspect is i mean that's the reason that the sort of is there so you know it would seem you know terribly important that that really kind of gets addressed you know looking at the you know the history as you say you know and also what's going on in the present moment in terms of not not eating i mean in terms of the the physical refeeding what what was what what's your memory of that jail because that, that must have been pretty difficult at the time to be taking on calories whereas for years you've done the opposite yeah well i was again someone who didn't count calories um yeah. so I, and i know that you know a lot of people that have eating disorders you know so many calories a day and they count and they know what's how much is in this food and that food yeah. and the other food that wasn't my experience my experience was just decreasing to this amount of this food and this amount of this and i wouldn't yeah. go out of certain amounts of food um 
back with my refeeding, we started it very gradually. I, I increased what I had at breakfast time, for example. So I increased by that much. And then I had to introduce morning tea, afternoon tea and supper. And initially, you know, and still have the breakfast that I had, but add to the quantity, mm, then yeah. have this morning tea then have the lunch that I had and add to the quantity that and dinner and so on. And gradually over time. And I think looking back that my biggest fear was not so much putting on the weight. It was where it was going to go and what shape was I going to end up? Sure. Was it all going to go on my stomach and my hips and everything? And was I going to be this out of proportion look person mm. That for me was the biggest hurdle. Like, where is this weight going to go? Where is it going to end up? Mm. And by doing it the way that I did, I gradually could see that it was going to go on me evenly all over. Mm. I wasn't going to be this disproportionate, odd-shaped thing that I feared I would be. Mm. And the more confidence I got as the month went by, okay, I'm eating this much and, yeah, I'm putting on weight. I can see my arms are thicker, my legs are thicker but I can see that it's going on all over. Then I got the confidence to keep moving forward with that refeeding process. Yeah. And it wasn't the huge fear. I don't know, well, it didn't happen, but you know, I just thought I was going to get this big stomach and look horrible. Um, who knows what would have happened if that was the outcome. Yeah. But you know, people had to keep saying to me, but JL, you're an athlete once. You are tall, you're slender, you're an athlete. What shape? That's the shape you're going to go back to, girl, you know? Yeah. And gradually, as I could see that what they were saying to me was true, I could relax and go with it more. Yeah. So that was my experience with the refeeding. I also, I know I lived like this for a number of years. I also somehow worked out because, you know, as a person newly married and then with the children, you go out to restaurants for meals or whatever, and you'd have three courses or you go on a holiday and you'd eat a bit more. Um, somehow I worked out that if I kept most of my feeding till the end of the day, you know, if you went out to a restaurant a night and had three courses and a couple of drinks or whatever, that I could eat as much as I wanted to because the next day, um, you know, I mean, your stomach does swell out a bit when you eat a bit more, but then the next day it would be that flat again. I mean, this sounds really silly, but I'm sure listeners that have had eating disorders yeah. who are could probably identify with, with what we do to ourselves or what we think. But I found comfort in that, that yes, I could sit down and I could eat as much as I wanted to at the end of the day, you know, at a restaurant or something, or cook more for myself at home because I knew that by tomorrow morning I'd be, mm. you know, <laughs> to the same size again so you do find mental ways of talking yourself into it and coping and I think those mental ways are probably different for everybody and then of course as I began to look at the fears and then look at the OCD and the suicidal depression all those other mm. things those sort of behaviors also left me and I can look back now and say well they were behaviors that I used to just give myself confidence that I wasn't going to end up in this horrible fat place. And it yeah. gave me the ability to hold on and keep going. I'm not mm. thinking of the right word here. Uh, not confidence. It, yeah, it'll come to me, but mm. I'm probably yeah. not explaining myself well now. Um, they were little behaviors that were residual, I suppose, in, mm getting me through those times when the fear came up and it was like no mm. it's okay it's okay if I just do this I'll be okay mm. yeah. and so there were still those little bits and pieces that I still had to navigate my way through mm. until they finally left and it wasn't a matter of oh I'm going to work on this one and get rid of it as I worked on the fears yeah these went yeah and I did it that way and that's what Joan taught me you know, and to yeah. not worry about those little bits and pieces that still hang on and still tell me that I've probably got an eating disorder still or whatever, to just let it go, embrace mm. them, deal with the psychological, you've restored your weight, mm. you're looking healthy, you are healthy. You've got all these other things going on, mental illnesses and that still, but you're working towards now getting rid of those. So we're not going to worry that you've got a few little attachments left no. because you're already on the road, you know, we don't have to worry about you perhaps um, dying or whatever, because you're still too thin. So 
it just mm. wasn't a focus. They were annoying little bits that we just had mm. to get rid of. I don't think I've yeah. explained that at all. No, no, you know, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm understanding. I mean, just just to look at the OCD, you know, I mean, I guess this was another coping strategy, wasn't it? You know, and the, the perfectionism, the word, I guess. coping strategy. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, these, you, you know, we, <laughs> I mean, we all have, you know, coping strategies, don't we? So, yeah, but, I mean, also just kind of bringing in, and bringing in the effect on, you know, the internal kind of the internal organs because you know i think a lot of people as far as i can you know i can gather that in that recovering from ed initially they do have the same worry they worry oh my god you know the weight is going to go on somewhere it's going to go on my bum or, or, or whatever you know and i guess it is only with kind of being brave and, and eating that people can see that it will be kind of you know it won't go on you know in one place that you know the body will kind of put it on you know externally but you know but also internally you know i mean some of the internal organs you know will get bigger you know the brain it will be less starved so the brain will start working better and also just bringing in some of the effects of, of starvation on the brain you know because uh, just starvation on the brain you know can 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 cause things like insomnia depression heightened anxiety you know so as somebody starts to eat you know it's likely that the, the depression will will lift that you know that they'll be start sleeping better you know there'll be more serotonin kind of created in the brain because they're eating more food and so some of the comorbidities are likely to get slightly better because the body is functioning internally you know much better i'm, I'm so conscious of the time i could talk to you for hours but i want to kind of bring in your work uh, I want to bring in, you know, your work with with ED and also, you know, your books, because I know you've you've written that you've got a new book coming out, which you know, I've had the pleasure to <laughs> read the draft of. But could you tell us a little bit around kind of your professional life now in working around ED? Yeah, well, my professional life um, with eating um, is, I guess, twofold. One, I have my online programs, which at the moment I'm sort of doing a bit of a revamp and a relook yep. at it. Um, you know, I did put a survey out. I'd be really interested in, you know, I'd like to connect with more and say, okay, when you go to Hill, um, what would you expect to see in a program? Because a lot of the programs are based on my own experiences and clients' experiences and that. And then someone said to me, well, did you ask what they'd really like to see in it? So that's why I'm looking at them again. So I do have all my online programs, which I created. And in those programs, I have, you know, people who uh, source them, you really need to be prepared to read my story, which pops up in amongst it all and see it as a book almost like we're going to start at the beginning and I take you through a guided journey of let's work out what an eating disorder is. And then I, I build. So it's a step by step to create that really important thing of understanding. Yeah. Right. And and so my programs are based on that. Let's take you through the understanding process and then take you through the whole journey and what I think was important to bring in, what we leave out and all of that. So that's how they have been set up and that's how, how they've been received by people as well. So, of course, jlkeys.com.au is my website and all of the different programs, because I think there's different areas. I have one specific for nutrition, one specific for relationships, because we could talk about that for hours as well, the role of relationships with other people and with yourself and yeah. the impact of that on eating disorder and mental health development. Yeah. So, so I've just got a lot of little um, things that I think collectively are really, really important. And I did them as an online program for people who perhaps are not quite sure. They don't want to reach out to anyone and actually put it on the table yet, but they can access those programs in the privacy of their own home, begin to explore on their own um, to work out if this is in fact where they fit. And therefore, is this a line of inquiry they'd like to go down? And of course, reality therapy, the modality that saw my healing come about is embedded and explained all throughout those programs as well. So when I work with clients, of course, I work with their reality therapy model all of the time. And so my clients can understand why is this happening? And I've, I've written it in my, in my revamp today. It's not so much so many clients will say to me, why is this happening to me? Why have I got an eating disorder? And I might challenge and say, why is this happening for you? Mm. And they go, what do you mean? You know, um, because I think if you can put a positive spin on an illness that you're enduring and begin to see it as something that's trying to teach you something about you, mm. 
and what is it here to do for you as a positive moving forward in your life what does it want to share what does it want to nurture you with what does it want to strengthen you with in your life moving forward then you can almost begin and i wrote an article for brains magazine recently about um fear being your friend or foe and um you know if you can begin to turn around and look at it as a friend which sounds really odd but it's changing your mindset in being able to accept this illness rather than fighting it all the time and that's what i had to do at 37 rather than fighting suicidal depression every time it came on at two o'clock in the morning and i'm wandering around on my two acres going i just want to end my life um joan got me to sit down okay and as hard as it was i would sit down when it would happen i'd say okay why are you here what do you want me to know what do you want me to learn from your presence what's your message for me and that's what we did with each of the illnesses that presented for me i did it with ocd i did it with the migraines i did it with all of them um as a total umbrella i saw them all coming together and that was how my mental illness was defined but then we could break them up into their separate entities and i think i got so many separate entities because i was ill for so long and like you were saying mark you know when the brain you know goes down inside and your body is malnourished then these other illnesses have an opportunity to invade our space as well and so that's why it's really important to do the refeeding properly because there is that time when the psychological helps to improve the depression or whatever, but also the refeeding helps. Yeah. Your body is now nurturing and nourishing itself and it doesn't have to be depressed anymore yeah. because we don't have to learn the lesson that it's trying to teach us or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so um that's what I offer. Um, I offer Zoom counseling as well. I've added um oh actually i'll get you to add that you know to the notes perhaps for this i've got a calendar um subscription now where people can i invite people to come in and click on there if they want to make a a booking with me a zoom booking and the first one is um you know just a conversation between me and that person it doesn't cost anything and i've opened up that opportunity because i think with the pandemic and everything that's gone on I'm finding that uh, people do like to go onto the net and people who can't access quality, um, you know, support because they can't get out of their homes or they live a distance away. And here in Australia, we've got Outback Australia and everything. And I decided, look, I'm going to add Zooming to my offerings because, um, and I've done it with a couple of overseas clients, one young lady in London, actually, she was just gorgeous. Um, you know, to provide that opportunity to be able to connect with me one-on-one Zooming and give themselves the opportunity to heal, whereas that might not be available to them. So, hey, you know, that link will be there to be able to go on and book, you know, if you would like to um, connect with me and have a conversation and see whether we might be a fit helping your healing moving forward. So, yeah, and, of course, one-on-one is available there as well. So either through Calendly or direct business email hello hello at jlkeys.com.au um there are different ways of connecting with me if you think anything i've shared today might connect and you feel that i could support you um in that way so that's for the listeners by the way not you mark (laughs) um and oh no i'm I'm thinking that people are looking at me uh my books yes we'll quickly look at that one my book i was encouraged to write is called Anorexia Unlocked, Understanding Your Story Through Mind. So there's those two words that I make really important, the word understanding why you are and looking at your story because your clues and your solutions will be embedded in that dialogue. And so this book is divided into three parts. And the first part is, I think, 27 chapters, and they're all just chronological chapters of my life and the basics of where I started in life and how how and why an eating disorder developed. The middle part is 14, what I call pearls of wisdom. You know, what can you learn from my story about your story moving forward in the healing process? And the last is just a few words, just in a nutshell. This is what happened. This is what I did. Blah, 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 blah. Come out the other end. It's sort of summing up my story very quickly. I have gone on from there this year and written two more books. Um, One is called Recovery and All That Jazz. 
mental illness, life events and true understanding. And this is the one, Mark, that you kindly read for me and gave feedback for me. And for those people that are going to buy it, because you will, because, you know, you'll do it for Mark, not for me. Um, Mark is featured on the front cover with his beautiful quote for me. And I'm really looking forward to that coming out, hopefully this side of Christmas. Now, that particular one, because I write a lot of verse, I had 50 verses sitting there and I thought, what do I do with them? Mm-hmm. So I used 45 of them and wrote five more. And that one is verse. So you, the reader will read the verse. And then afterwards, I write a few paragraphs that um, might have my story embedded in the world, gives you the meaning for the verse, the inspiration, and ideas about how to heal from the illness that you might currently be suffering as well. And the last one, Echoes from My Heart. Um, what did I call it? Echoes from My Heart. Uh, my words gifted to you to comfort guide inspire that one is just a hundred verses nothing else so it's a book that you're holding your hand when you're feeling down and you just go I need something I need a message to help me get through my day or this time that I'm working through and you just hold it in your hands and just ask for it to open to the page that's relevant and in doing so read the poem that's there and then close your book up and it will speak to you. Allow yourself to have the message come through to you from that particular verse and hopefully be uplifting for you in that moment. So that's what's been on my agenda this last year. Yes. <laughs> in hopefully connecting to people's stories of healing, not only from the eating disorder, but other mental illnesses yeah. because I've had all of those as well. Yeah, yeah and yeah. such an insight, you know, I mean, for for people to read your books, for people to, you know, <clears throat> come to therapy for you, with you, you know, and for people to hear your story, you know, recovery stories, I think are so terribly important, really, you know, and it, and it is broader, you know, it is, there are lots of other kind of mental illness component, components that you've pushed through. If people want to get hold of your books, JL, how, how do they do that? How, how do they, how do they buy them? Well, Anorexia Unlocked, Understanding a Story Through Mine. If they go to the website, there is a landing page devoted just to the book and they'll see that up. Just click on the link and go down and then that will connect you through to Amazon where it's on Amazon. You can get it through there. The other two, you won't see. The other two are currently with my formatter in Canada and um, that's a process. You know, I can write a book and I can get a cover done or do all that. I find the formatting is the longest process because um, your formatter, well, mine lives so far away, but um, it's, you know, the coming and the going, and she's probably got other books and everything as well, but this time I'm doing two at once, but it's that coming back and you've got to read it all again and make sure everything's set up properly. So those two, hopefully, as I said, as soon as they are available, they will be um, on my website as well, and they'll be on Amazon as well, the best two places to go and have a look. But, Fantastic, yeah. and then, yeah, and I'd really recommend them. I mean, I had the you know I had the absolute pleasure of reading um, the one of the books you mentioned. I've forgotten the title. It's uh, recovery and all that jazz. Yeah, recovery and all that jazz. Mental illness, life events, and true understanding. Yeah, really, so, really beautiful. I've had good feedback from it. I feel quite blessed with the people that have offered to read it for me, and I always look for readers that I know will give me honest feedback. Won't just go oh. Jenny Lee, you're so wonderful. I don't want that, you know. And um, I've been, yeah, I've been really pleased with the feedback. I'm glad that someone asked me to write that, all, all of them. And I thought, oh, gosh, let's do it again. And But it seems that it's worthwhile, this second one. It's really received good feedback, the yeah. manuscripts. So um, hopefully it will, you know, reach a lot of hands and help a lot of people as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then just a, a final question, you know, as you know, we always ask this at the end of the show, <clears throat> and this may be difficult to ask, so you don't have to just bring one, but what, what's your, you know, your, your kind of go-to coping strategy for, for mental health? What's your favourite coping? Oh, it's a, it, yeah, it's a, you've probably got many, I would imagine, but. Yeah, but I'll, well, I'll go, as you're asking that question, I, the first thing that came to mind was living in the moment. And I know that's mm. a, probably getting a little bit cliche now, um, but I think it's the most powerful one. Um, when you can sit in whatever it is that you're currently experiencing and just go with it and 
you know, I'm someone who suffered suicidal depression for about 10 years. And um, so I know how difficult it can be. I know the depth of difficulty when you're being asked to sit with it, you know, but as you sit with it, you don't add to the stress of it and you give yourself the opportunity to understand it mm. and to connect with it in a different way. And then the more you do that, you know, while you're in that horrible space, remember, hey, I've been here before and I got through it. And as a result of getting through it, this is what I learned and peace did prevail mm. and hold on to that outcome, which, you know, you've experienced before. You won't know when you're in the moment, whether this is going to last an hour, a day or a week. Um, but always holding on to the fact that it's there to teach you something. So ask, what is this teaching me right now? Mm. And then find the teaching resolve that for you and then move on and hold on to the fact that you've done it before you've come through before yeah. and when you have it's been a great moment in time for you so you know that's that's I guess my coping um thing that I do at the moment um just to share you really quickly at the end of this um 12 months ago I had to sort of step back from the business and clients and everything because I had an outcome that wasn't expected in my life and um, I can remember initially going, a few bad words, um, why is this one happening? Haven't I been through enough? Yeah. And I could have very quickly, with everything that I've endured, gone down that slippery slide of woe is me, what the heck is happening this time? Instead, I sat in and went and did all of that. And it wasn't hard. It, difficult, it wasn't easy. It was difficult. I ended up with this huge cancer in my face and a huge hole taken out of my face. And, um, you know, I had to go through the double reconstruction of my face. I've got a third one to go. I've got to fix this bit up. And I've got another cancer in my nose that I've got to cut out as well. So, um, you know, that ability that I've taken from all those years of struggle and finally learning to sit in the moment and learn from the experience really paid dividends 12 months ago when, you know, other people around me were having difficulties and I'm thinking, just sit in the moment, just ask why and just flow with it, just go with it. And, you know, it's the best way to deal with anything that's really bad in your life or whatever mm. uh, because it brings a peace in amongst it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and I I'm glad that, you know yeah. that's what I've learned because I don't know where I would have been a year ago with all of this going on, especially when I first looked at my face and I felt like oh, the side of my face was cut off, and I thought, oh my god, you know, <laughs> my face is gone. But um, my surgeon got it back for me, so thank you very much, Tony Moore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jay. Oh goodness me! I mean, I'm so sorry to hear you've you've had to go. You are still going through that. I mean, <clears throat> I guess everything you've pushed through. I guess this is this is really reductive, but this is, I think, partly what you're saying that you know you've drawn on a lot of the things. You know, you've 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 derived strength from pushing through so much in your life, and you know some of the coping strategies that you've used, you've, you've applied to you know the trauma that's gone on recently to to help you through because. I mean, I guess there is growth through suffering. Yeah. And I, 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 well, there is, yeah. and I think that's, that's yeah. another yeah. whole topic, isn't it? There is growth through suffering. And that's yeah. what I meant earlier in our sharing uh, today, Mark, that, you know, if we can embrace the suffering and look for the answers as hard as it is, yeah. because, you know, why am I sat there? Um, that doesn't help anyone. You've got to really sit with it and go with it for the length of time that it's with you, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm one of a million people on the planet today who have had more than their fair share. I will own that. Um, but here I am, still here, and I'm laughing about my face now. So <laughs> when they told me I had another one, I just went, oh, far out. Let's just get rid of it. And I just laughed and went home. <laughs> so I mean, that's Jane, where you can get yeah. I guess. Sorry, Jay. No, yeah. go ahead, Jay. No, that's all I was going to say. Yeah. That's where you can get to. And I'm really hoping that that's what listeners are hearing, that, you know, out of the depth of despair becomes so much growth. You grow yeah. as a person. And 
you know, that you can give to somebody else and you yeah. give it to yourself first. And then the next time stress comes on, oh my gosh, it's not the huge hurdle. And then you can give that to other people. And that's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I mean, that that's a really, really beautiful place to end. I mean, I'd like to just say thank you. You've been so generous in your sharing today, Joe. It's been really nice to see you again. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, <clears throat> we will share all of your links on our, on our social media platforms. And uh, just thank you. Thank you very much for today. Yeah, I'd just like to thank JL for coming on again. Um, it really was a great show. I mean, as usual, when JL comes on, you know, there's so many things that we could have, you know, taken a segue and talked about. Um, if if you if you want to contact JL for therapy, then please, you know, have a look at our social media. Um, we'll include all our links on our various social media sites. And I'd also encourage you to check out her website and, uh, and check out her books. Um, one out at the moment, Anorexia Unlocked, and two coming out um, <clears throat> hopefully soon. Um, yeah, and just really, really fantastic to have JL on the show. I mean, I think our listeners will agree it really was an incredibly interesting show. And uh, just to say, look after yourself, look after the planet, and I'll see you all on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you have been affected by any of the topics we discussed today, then please reach out to your country's um, mental health helplines. We have quite a few international listeners, and so mental health support services and helplines will vary from country to country. Uh, in the UK, Samaritans, I think, is the most easily accessible and can be accessed by searching for Samaritans online or calling 116-123 and reaching out to other people and other services such as perhaps your counsellor, uh, your GP or mental health worker, a mental health first aider or a trusted friend or family member. Um, often when we're upset, it's, we feel it's difficult to reach out, but reaching out can be tremendously helpful and therapeutic. And also to remember that it's okay to not be okay.